This is the John Oakley Show podcast. But as to other folk uh, who are reeling from this, not just because they're physically ill, but it's it's had its uh, repercussions to various uh, establishments, restaurants. People aren't frequenting places the way they once did. Uh, here to tell us all about that and more, the Senior Vice President of Public Affairs with the Retail Council of Canada, Carl Littler. Carl, how are you doing this afternoon? Fine, how are you? Pretty good. Uh, when I asked the question, I mean, about businesses being impacted by the coronavirus scare, uh, what do you hear, what do you know? So we don't see, um, and and obviously, you know, you're not going to see stats candidate on traffic uh, for a while, but um, we don't actually see significant impacts yet in two of what we would say there's probably three areas here. One, obviously, is the health area, and that is both you know, the real concern about transmission and, um, you know, and also the perceived uh, concern that the public may have that may keep them out of public spaces or may keep them from doing what they would otherwise do. The second bucket for us is, okay, so there's a bunch of human resources-related issues here. What if, you know, one of our employees may appear to be unwell? What are the implications of that, obviously? Um and also, what if somebody, you know, if this were to become a more widespread thing, what if people started to refuse work because of concerns? So that would be the second bucket. The place where we're actually seeing more of it is on the supply chain side. So if you think about it for a second, there are five confirmed cases in Canada at this point. Um, I guess more, uh, you know, as, as the arrival at CFB Trenton. But there are five, con- you know, the, the people in quarantine are five confirmed cases relatively um, minor symptoms uh, with the Canadian cases. So obviously it's not having a material impact yet on, on you know, on Canadian uh, Canadian's health and, and, and therefore on, for the most part, on Canadian consumers. But what it is doing is affecting the uh, production of goods in factories in China. Obviously, as a lot of people are kept home, the Chinese New Year has been extended by the Chinese government. Um, and so you start to end up with a supply issue. And ultimately, you know, concerns about is anybody who is in, involved in the transportation of goods, will they be, you know, potentially, uh, you know, potentially uh, afflicted by uh, by this virus? So, we see it for the time being as largely a supply issue, not a domestic issue. The other thing that's been brought to my attention, I don't know if this is your bailiwick or not, but uh, establishments in Chinatown seemingly are hurting from all of this. Uh, people have kind of uh, taken a pass on frequenting these places, restaurants primarily. Uh, anything to that that you have information on? Uh, I, I don't have information on that. I, I know I've heard sort of anecdotally that there are you know, that there have been some issues and that people are, you know, are in effect being profiled or that, um, you know, that there's, there's, you know, some people are hesitant. Um, but, you know, it's not something that's, that, the, you know, we deal with directly. And, and we haven't certainly seen any, um, you know, any kind of untoward behavior in, in malls or shops or what have you. So I, I think if, if that's the case, uh, you'd probably have to talk to the business associations there, but we haven't seen it in our in our space. And on the matter of masks, gloves, and other things uh, leading to health concerns, yeah. similarly, uh, what do your retailers tell you? Well, I, there's been a lot of sales, obviously, of the things that are helpful, and, and then there's probably been some sales of things that are not especially helpful. So, you know, the prevention measures for this 
virus, for trans, uh, you know, anti-transmission measures for this virus, which of course isn't largely present in Canada, but the prevention measures are exactly the same ones that you would use in the case of influenza, um, or the you know even even the transmission of the common cold. So you know the things that you actually need to do are to make sure that you keep your hands washed, try and avoid touching your mouth and eyes and so on, um, and so that engages things like soap and disposable towels and you know alcohol containing sanitizer and that kind of stuff. But it isn't any different for um, the coronavirus than it is for um, you know for influenza, which is by the way you know a much more prevalent and you know potentially deadly uh, affliction in Canada at the present time. The masks, obviously, you know, our, our members will sell them. They're, they're certainly valid for health professionals in a healthcare setting. But, you know, there's been a lot of comment, um, and, I, and, I, and I kind of wish it had penetrated a little more deeply into the public, that the masks uh, may not only not be particularly helpful, but they may, in fact, be harmful because uh, most people don't know how to wear a mask properly. Some people wear them over facial hair. You have people adjusting their masks all the time and therefore touching their mouths and faces. So we've seen the mask, frankly, as, you know, a, a sort of overly cautious response and not a particularly well-advised one. Got to ask you finally, Carl, I mean, uh, because so much comes out of China, and you sort of alluded to it earlier that uh, there have been delays, I guess, or the manufacturing side of things may have been impacted. Uh, Delays in deliveries to Canada of goods that might be sold at retail? Yeah, I mean, I think some of that is going to be inevitable. Um, You know, you have, you know, even in in the province in which the, you know, the sort of the center of this outbreak has happened, you know, you have something like 53 million people, right? And, and, and obviously a very, very small fraction of that that are, um, the, uh, that are either confirmed or suspected cases. But, you know, obviously part of the Chinese government's response has been to limit exposure, and therefore that's going to have an impact on, on some of the factories, especially in that space. Um, and, you know, given the, the more significant incidents, vastly more significant incidents, of course, of this in China, you can ex- expect that that may affect their transportation infrastructure, may affect their ports, and so on. We did actually get a story the other day, and I obviously can't say who it was, but a prominent electronics manufacturer had used the excuse that uh, their containers were being held at the port uh, in Vancouver, and that turned out to be completely not the case. The Canadians don't interdict containers. If they had a concern, it would be if an individual was showing symptoms. But that was clearly a case of this electronics manufacturer trying to use an excuse um, because they were having trouble meeting their shipment uh, obligations. So <laughs> clearly some of it is out there. Uh-huh. Um, whether, whether they then diverted that down to California Long Beach for a big customer, I don't know. But, um, you know, at a minimum, you're you're getting stories that, you know, reflect obviously some concerns about meeting some of the, uh, you know, the contractually obligated shipments and their timelines. So, so that part of it, for now at least, is probably the biggest issue for, for Canadian retailers, which is, you know, is the supply of goods in jeopardy. I have to say it's not, you know, uh, super widespread yet, but obviously if this goes on for a protracted period, you can certainly see that it's going to be a slowdown. All right. Uh, good to know. I appreciate your time. Thanks for it, Carl. You're very welcome. Carl Littler, Senior VP, Public Affairs, Retail Council of Canada. Well, you know, the impact is uh, still being felt. Uh, You know, the other thing, of course, that becomes very contentious is whether or not we're being given the truth about all of this. Are the Chinese trying to zoom us here on the numbers, uh, the breadth and scope of this thing? Given that most recently, 
the latest story that's caught everybody's attention is the fact who first blew the guy who first blew the whistle is now dead. And a young man in his 30s, no less, medical practitioner, and uh, he was pictured, I guess, with a surgical mask, nothing else but uh, being attended to with a surgeon. If, in fact, that was, you know, a credible picture, who knows anymore? Are you confident the Chinese authorities are being transparent, honest, accountable in all of this? I know it's in the realm of the conspiracy theorists, but nonetheless, uh, there are some things that, you know, give us pause for consideration or reconsideration. Especially dude here having died when he reported it and they wanted to suppress that information. And it was almost like uh, they were bootlegging out true accounts from him and his close circle, saying a guy had to forcibly sign a confession that he was making all of this up. That's what they charged him with originally. Now he's dead. It's a totalitarian regime. It's a closed society. We see how they deal with dissent. <laughs> you know, so at the end of it, uh, I guess, you know, they do have economic interests they want to protect. So are you confident that because this thing may uh, spiral out of control, they're not messing around and they're being totally open, honest, transparent? Or do you believe that they would default to trying to suppress and hide things as they did originally, by the way? Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.